Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Let me tell you something. The devil is never going to be your friend. Quit cozying up to him. Quit saying that you can handle the cards that will come to him. He is who he is and he will never change. Information will take you some places that you never dreamed that you should go. And that's why I'm saying this. Because this year, I want us to hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord will never steer you wrong. It may not always be the easiest of instructions. You may not always like it. You may not always want to ingest it. But I promise you this. If you will follow the word of the Lord, it will always lead you to a better place. It will always instruct you. There is safety in the word of God. Don't walk away from it. Amen. The Bible lets us know that worry is an enemy. Worry is something a child of God should never really have to completely deal with. But the devil wants to try to step in and tell you that things are out of control and maybe they are for you. Maybe you can't control them. Maybe there's something going on in your life that you have no way of handling. But you serve a God that can control what you cannot control. And that is the difference maker. That makes all the difference. That's the game changer. It'll rock your world when you come to understand that my God is in control of my life when I let him control it. Praise God. about this year excited about what took place last year amen but I believe that God has a way of building the word lets us know that that in the last days greater things are we going to do I believe we're in those days folks the church is not going to get more weak the church is not getting dimmer the church is not getting smaller the church is moving forward the church is becoming more powerful more anointed it's becoming greater God is enlarging our territory amen because of the day and the hour that we're living in Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 1 while you're standing amen amen Everybody's talking about resolutions. Somebody said, what, what's a resolution? Somebody said, oh, that's just something that goes in one year and out the other year. <laughs> that's the truth until you make up your mind to make some changes and stick with them. Amen. 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 I hope 2019 is a great year for you as an individual, for your family, and for this church. Amen. I feel that the Lord is going to be with us. Amen. Amen. One thing that I want to, on the outset of this, say to you before I read the scripture. Every year starts off in January and ends in December. And every year, um, this year we we did not put an end of year video together. Uh, Just a lot of different things took place. And a lot of the pictures that we gather, you've seen on Facebook if if you're connected to the church Facebook account. And... But one one part of it for me is that it's always a bittersweet for me. Although we see a lot of things that took place uh, over the course of a year, I see faces that started but never finished. I see places, uh, faces of people that, that came and maybe were baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost even, or just gave a start, but 
for somewhere along the line that they didn't make it. My goal is at the end of this year is better than the beginning of this year for me spiritually. I don't want to be a statistic. I want to make it. I want you to make it. Amen. I want us to make it together. And so this will be a good year for some, It'll be a challenge for others. That's just life. That's, that's what we deal with. It may start off good and, and end up a little rocky. It may start off just vice versa. It might start off rocky and end up good. But I do know this, that when we stay with the Lord throughout the entire 12 months, the year is going to be better, amen, than it would be without Him. Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1. He writes, Afterward he brought me again into the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. As I read this, I'm thinking, I'd want to move to a different house if this were my house that that, uh, had the waters flowing underneath it. He goes on to write, Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And there behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. It's quite a distance. And he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Right here. He's walking through waters about this deep to the ankles. But the story doesn't end there. Again, he measured another thousand and brought me through the waters and the waters were to the knees. But he's not done yet. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters to the loins or to the waist. Afterward, he measured a thousand. So at this point, we're 4,000 cubits out into the waters. 4,000 cubits. Ezekiel writes, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. When he says it could not be passed over, what he was in essence saying is you couldn't walk through these waters anymore. And if you didn't know how to swim, you weren't getting on to the other side of the shore. There came a point in time in the man getting out so deep into the waters that Ezekiel said, we can't just meander here anymore. We can't just walk through these waters. If we're going to get any further along on this journey, we've got to be able to swim. And I just want to speak to you for a little while this morning. Waters to swim in. Waters to swim in. Lord, we thank you, God, for each and every soul that's here in this place today. Let your word do its intended work. Let our hearts be prepared, God, to receive it right now in the name of Jesus, we pray. And would you say amen? Amen. God bless you today. You may be seated. My wife and I were, um, I can't even remember what the purpose was for us being where we were at. Uh, Yes, I do now. It It was a funeral that we were going out to a, a cemetery not too long ago. While we were driving down this old country road to this country uh, cemetery, uh, I pointed out to her a particular little spot. It was kind of 
grown up. You couldn't see it very well from the road anymore. There were cattails all around it, but it was a small, small pond. And I told her, began to tell her the stories of how, as a young man, you know, growing up in, in my neighborhood, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have a pool that, that we went to, the city pool. We didn't go to the city pool, and, and uh, there was not much uh, of places around for us to swim in. And I, I said, that pond over there is where we used to come and play, and we'd stir up the mud, and we'd sling mud and have fun, and we'd see who could swim all the way underneath from one side to the other. Or sometimes we'd even take, find us a big rock, and we'd, we, would, uh, we would grab a hold of a rock and see if we could hold our breath long enough to walk the whole bottom of the pond until we come up on the other side. It was always fun stuff like that that you never told your parents that you did, so uh, they'd let you continue to go swimming. Uh, as I said, we, don't, we didn't have very many swimming pools. My, my family never owned a swimming pool. And uh, we did have two uh, neighbors in our neighborhood uh, that we lived in that did have swimming pools, however, both of them in-ground swimming pools. And the one neighbor was kind enough to offer all the, the neighborhood boys to come over once or twice a year, and we'd all dive in, play around, eat popsicles, and then the mom would shoo us off and send us back home, and we'd go back home. And the only time I ever got to swim in the other neighbor's swimming pool was uh, at night. <laughs> When they were on vacation. <laughs> and I could jump over their fence. True story. I don't think that they ever uh, found out, but if they did, uh, so be it. They never said anything to us. The moral of the story is, is that there just wasn't that many places that we could swim. So I grew up learning to swim a little bit differently than everybody else did. While most kids' parents took them into the town pool and had a, a, a dedicated instructor, you know, teach them how to swim and put little floaties on them. I thought about bringing some floaties in today, you know, and preaching some floaties. I thought, no, we better not do that, but maybe next time uh, I'll give you that, that privilege, that honor. And, and so I, I began to uh, learn how to swim a whole lot differently. My dad built a raft and, and uh, he got some old 50-gallon drum barrels and he uh, put them underneath. He built a frame and, and uh, put those drum barrels underneath that, uh, that raft and, and put a little motor on the back of it and that was our swimming dock. And he would take me out to the strip cuts. Uh, you know, not everybody had swimming pools, but you know, there's some, uh, there's some advantages to growing up in an area where the coal miners have come in and they've dug all the coal out and they've left behind this reclaimed uh, 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 lakes, uh, so to speak, that had uh, roads that went right down into them. And my dad would take me out to those strip cuts and he'd let me play around in those roads because they, were, they would go down very gradually and I could get out as deep as I wanted to. I'd get out ankle deep water, knee deep, waist deep, and, but I never got out in to waters over my head. My dad wouldn't let me get out like that without one of those life vests on. And, and I'm not talking about the cool stuff that we buy for our grandkids, you know, with, uh, you know, cool uh, characters on them and they're really neat colors. I'm talking about the old bright orange uh, uh, life jackets that just about choked you half to death. You know, dad would cinch it up so tight and I'd be like, Dad, I tied it off. You know, I, 
I don't think it's drowning that I'm going to have to worry about. It's suffocation that I had to worry about with those things on. And so he made me swim in one of those things. And I'd get out and float around. And every once in a while, Dad would take the guys out uh, from the youth group on a Sunday afternoon and wear them all out so they'd all be too uh, sleepy on Sunday night to listen to the preacher. And they'd go down to the altar not to pray. We'd have to wake them up every once in a while and say, hey, you know, church has been over for two hours. You might as well go on home. And my dad would wear them all out. And then we'd go out there. And I was always younger, maybe seven or eight years old. And these guys were 14, 15, 16 years old. And uh, he'd let me swim with them as long as I had that bright orange choker around my neck. He'd let me get out in the water with them, and, and he would try to teach me and train me, and, uh, and eventually it came to the time where my dad said, you know what, I think you're ready. I said, you think I'm ready? <laughs> you know, at, at eight years old, I didn't have a whole lot of common sense. I was like, yeah, dad, I'm ready to go, you know, let's go, get this thing off of me, I can do this, and, 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 and so he said, all right, he said, I'm going to take this, this life vest off of you. We're going to get out here in the water on the raft a little bit. I'm going to let, you know, make sure the other guys aren't around too much. And, and uh, you've got this room for yourself, and I'm going to let you give it a shot. And, and, you know, it's all exciting. It's all thrilling until you, the reality of standing on the edge of that, uh, of that little uh, raft that my dad had built and looking down in the water, and you can't see the bottom anywhere. It's 70, 80 foot deep, 90 foot deep down to the bottom. And so my little young eight-year-old mind finally stopped and had enough common sense where I turned around and I realized the orange vest, uh, it played a role in, in everything that I'd done. It gave me some safety, some security, and now I didn't have that anymore. And so I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, I said, what happens if I don't come up? <laughs> he said, I'll do my best to find you. <laughs> Words of comfort from Dennis Rice. But it struck a chord with me. It's like, I'm not going to depend on him too heavily here. And so I got on the edge of, the, of that, that little raft, and, and I dove in for the very first time, and the fear gripped my heart. And, and I, just as quickly as I could, I started flapping my arms and looking, uh, you know, t towards where the surface was. And the next thing I knew, I broke through the surface of that water and took a big, deep breath of air. And it was so exhilarating to know that, that I had actually done what I thought I could do and now from this point on I was never going to have to put that stupid orange life vest back on again I could be cool like all the rest of the guys that were out there swimming without any help my dad put me on the edge of that raft and in essence what he said to me You've come to the point in life where I've taught you everything that I can teach you. I've tried to help you. I've guided you. I've instructed you. Now it's time to sink or swim. I've brought you out to waters that you can swim in, and we're going to see if you're able to or not. I want to tell the church something in the first service of 2019. There comes a point in time in your spiritual walk with God when God has done everything 
everything that he can do with you. He's tried to instruct you. He's tried to train you. He's tried to give you words of advice and wisdom. He's even been there holding your hands at times, helping you adjust to the waters and the different depths of the waters. But there comes a time in all of our lives where we've got to learn how to swim. Because when you learn how to swim, it won't matter how deep the water is underneath you. You can make it to your destination if you learn to swim. There is a purpose in getting out into the waters that you can swim in. God, I didn't understand why you kept making me wade in deeper and deeper. I didn't understand. Each time I went a little deeper and I felt the tug of the, of the water. I felt, I felt the flow. I felt that, that, that current trying to sweep me down. But, but as I got in a little deeper, as I stayed there a little longer, I adjusted to it. The currents of this present world are very difficult to deal with. We've got teenagers sitting in this church that are dealing with things that I didn't have to deal with when I was their age. At least not on the level that they're dealing with it. God, help, help us, uh, help our young people. God, put your hand upon their mind because they're wading into things that are deep. They're wading and dealing with currents that are trying to strip them away from what is safe and what, uh, before the time is right for their life. They're dealing with things that we never had to deal with before. Just a few years ago, I think I was, uh, Oh, early 40s, the first time I ever got out into the ocean for the first time, relatively calm. I'd heard stories about riptides and this and that. One friend of mine talked about how he was walking along the beach and he won't even get down close to it anymore. He sits way up on the berm uh, there because he said right underneath him, all the sand just shifted and went out into the ocean. And, and next thing he knew, he was up uh, to his thighs in, in water and sand and, and didn't know if it was going to sweep him on out. And I, I thought, oh, yeah, those are stories that, you know, that, that we all hear sometimes. But how often does that really happen? And so uh, we, we went out and we found this nice little private place out there and and uh, brother jones and myself uh and and the other boys uh brother christian i think came out there and uh, my son landon we we uh we began to notice we like to just get on these little uh, belly surfers or whatever you call them and, and just ride the waves it's just really fun to ride those waves and and so we got out there and i noticed something a little bit uh after we had been there a while that the waves were a little bit bigger the further out you got and i began to think about that why is that there's got to be something that's bringing those up. And, and then I started paying attention to some people that were way off down there. You could just barely see them. And they were way far away. But I noticed that they were way out there in the ocean. But when they stood up, the waters were only up to their knees. I said, aha. So I began to go out and, and uh, venture out a little further, and I got out to where I couldn't touch, and I had to begin to swim. And I swam, and I swam probably another 50, 60 yards, and all of a sudden, I could touch ground again. Well, everybody thought that was really cool because the waves were, they were a lot more fun out, out further like that. They were bigger, and we were having fun. And, and my wife, she decided that she wanted to come out there with us. So 
uh, we're, we're all out there, and we're all properly clothed, by the way, just uh, for those that, that are sitting here wondering, like, oh, I wonder how, we're all properly clothed, and so we're all out there together, my wife gets out there with us, and she's having fun, and, and, and we're, we're laughing at each other, you know, we'll, a wave would catch us off guard, and we'll choke, get choked with salt water, and, and, and want to catch us off guard and knock us over and around, and we're just having all kinds of fun like that, and it was time to, to go back, and, and uh, so some of us started, and the next thing I knew my wife couldn't touch anymore at the, the, the bottom of the, of the, the, the beach there. And, and the next thing I know, she's far away from me. And she's hollering at me. Like, yes, dear. She's like, I'm being sucked out. Good luck. What? <laughs> yeah. Can't hear you. Why are you so far away? <laughs> no, I immediately responded to that because I had heard the stories that struck fear in my heart. And I, I began to swim out towards her. And I gallantly and valiantly uh, became her knight in shining armor as I reached out and grabbed her by the arm and used every ounce of strength that was in my manly body to pull her back to safety. I don't know if I ever did get my kiss for that. I... <laughs> I just like to make her nervous. I'm not going to kiss her, but I'm going to make her nervous. Later, baby. It became very apparent to me that the warnings were real. That there was actual danger. And just because I had never personally experienced it, just because I had never seen up close tragedy, didn't mean that it could not happen to us. And I, uh, it reminded me that the currents are things that we need to pay attention to. That the ocean is bigger. And it doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care if you've got a family. It doesn't care if you're having fun. It doesn't care about any of those things. It's going to do what it's going to do because God had designed it a certain way in nature. Let me tell you something. That death the devil is never going to be your friend. Quit cozying up to him. Quit saying that you can handle the curse that will come to him. He is who he is, and he will never change. Pay attention to the warnings. There will come a time that we won't make it across unless we've learned how to swim. Don't give up when the waters rise. Don't quit when it starts getting deeper. God's got you. Ezekiel was never out in the waters by himself. As a matter of fact, if you read it and you pay attention to it, the man went out into the waters before Ezekiel did. He was measuring the waters and then Ezekiel followed him out to where he was at. 
Ezekiel was never alone in the waters. He was always, he always had the depth finder with him. Amen. We've got to get in our mind that we are here to stay. We've got to get into our mind that sometimes when God wants us to wade out into the waters a little bit deeper, it might be a little uncomfortable. It might be a little nerve wracking. He may be taking you into some places that you've never gone before and maybe you can't swim just yet, but you'll never learn how to swim until you first wade out into the waters. God will go before you because it is his design and his plan for you to be able to swim to the other side. Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abraham, I want you to leave everything, your home, your friends, and I'm going to take you to a place we're just going to call the promised land. Everything that's familiar is gone, and Abraham sets out on his journey to seek out a land that flows with milk and honey. What's God doing in Abraham? Why, why is God doing this? Why is God taking one man out of his surroundings? Could not have he had done more with him right where he was at to try to establish him? Why did he have to remove him from everything that he knew and everything he was comfortable with in order to make him what he wanted him to be? tell you what he's doing he's telling Abraham time to wade out into the waters this is where you learn to trust me if you're ever going to be the man that I know you can be you're going to have to learn how to follow me into some deep waters you got to let me teach you some things it's a little uncomfortable getting your feet wet but at the same time it's kind of exciting knowing that God's taking to a to, you to a better place than where you're at you got to think about that sometimes. So often we get we get so our minds so set on where we're at and so comfortable in where we're at that, that we won't move or budge one single inch. Uh, I, as we begin to uh, plan out vacations sometimes, I like to go back to places I've already been. Why? Because I'm comfortable with that. I know my way around. I don't get lost. I, I know where things are at. I, I just like to get comfortable. My wife, on the other hand, she'd have us traveling to the Far East and all over to different places, and we'd be in Israel next year if she could... She She'll take us into places that I have no idea where we're going. We're different that way. She's the adventurous. I like the comfortable things. In my mind, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm always thinking, I've never been on a cheap vacation. And if I'm going to spend money, I want to have enjoyed it. And if I spend that much money and I come back and say, man, I'm glad that's over with. <laughs> One vacation that taught me that lesson was Chicago. Some of you people love Chicago. Where's all my Southern Illinois peeps in this place, you know? And give me the woods, Brother Hogan. Shotguns and, and rifles and let's go target practice and let's, let's run down a trail. Let's plod through a creek, you know? Let's have some fun out, out like that. Let's break open a, our camping gear. Let's, let's, let's have some fun like that. But Chicago... And especially when you get some bad information, which we did. Oh, all you have to do, we found the perfect motel. All you got to do is find it. It's right here uh, uh, as you first come into Chicago. Well, how do you even know when you're first coming into Chicago? I, I mean, it, 
It's like you go through Springfield and all of a sudden you're in Chicago. I, I, and we missed it and wound up driving all the way downtown. And, and I was looking for this, this motel that was like 20 minutes behind us. We'd already passed it up, maybe 30 minutes behind us. Couldn't find it, got frustrated and finally said, we're staying in that motel. I don't care how much it costs. And let me tell you something, I ate my words when they told me the bill. <laughs> I went up to the, and we walked in that place. We were in the middle of, of, of moving. We had just moved from one place to the next. All of our luggage was gone. We walked in this big fancy, uh, <laughs> they had chandeliers and, and marble floor. And here we come. Our little kids had been uh, in, the sleep, uh, in the car asleep and hair was messed up. And all of our clothes was in black trash bags thrown over our shoulders. <laughs> We got on the elevator with these people that were there for some kind of prim and proper thing, and they had tuxedos on, and there we were in our blue jeans and T-shirts with our tr black trash bags over our shoulders. I said, God, if you ever get me out of here, I'll never come back to Chicago again as long as I live, I promise. The devil will always feed you misinformation. Well, come on over here. Hey, all you got to do is do this and everything will be okay. You're going to love it here. We wound up going into a restaurant. Our kids were little. What, what were they? One, three, and five, something like that. Two, four, and six. It doesn't really matter. When you... <laughs> we walked into a restaurant and I don't know. It was just a pizza place, in my opinion. I'm like, okay, this has got to be something like Pizza Hut. It wasn't nothing like Pizza Hut. I mean, the waiter came out, and he was snooty, snorty. I mean, I don't know. He was all dressed up. And my wife asked for ranch dressing for her salad. He's like, ranch? I mean, he looked at her like, what are you talking about? You country bumpkins, just move it along, you know, ranch dressing. And, and, and so we, we didn't have enough sense to get up and leave right then. We decided, no, we're going to go ahead and have some of the Chicago pizza and eat our salads. And, and, and one of our kids, which one was it? I know which one it was. Morgan, bingo. <laughs> she didn't like something that was going on. We had her in her high chair. And there was these two gentlemen eating supper together sitting behind us and the waiter had brought out their food and their salad and Morgan decided that she was going to put her feet on our table and shove backwards as hard as she could and over her high chair went and just happened to hit the edge of those two gentlemen's salad bowl. They had tossed salad whether they wanted it or not. It was a mess. It was a disaster. We, on our way out, I couldn't even get out of Chicago. It was like I'm trapped here. I, I wound up in Indiana somewhere. I don't know how that happened. I, I, you know, the, the, I paid a toll to get there, too. I went through a toll road. I paid the guy some money. I went through. I'm like, welcome to Indiana. Welcome to Indiana. <laughs> and this must have been what Dorothy felt like. We ain't Illinois anymore, Toto. I'm like, welcome to Indiana. So I spun the car right around right there and did an illegal U-turn right there on that interstate. And I went back past the guy and I said, I'm sorry, I went the wrong way. And he's like, pay the toll and I'll let you back through. I'm like, oh. We wound up in some places that were scary. And I didn't conceal carry back then. It was scary. It wouldn't matter if I did conceal carry. I was still scared. I was like, what have we gotten ourselves into? 
Misinformation will take you some places that you never dreamed that you should go. And that's why I'm saying this, because this year, I want us to hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord will never steer you wrong. It may not always be the easiest of instructions. You may not always like it. You may not always want to ingest it. But I promise you this, if you will follow the word of the Lord, it will always lead you to a better place. It will always instruct you. There is safety in the word of God. Don't. Walk away from it. So Abraham gets his feet a little wet. Genesis 17, Abraham's promised a son. And in return for, for God's promise of a son, he laughs at the thought of becoming a father at the age of 100 years old. I wouldn't have laughed. I'd have found a bridge and jumped off of it. I would do that right now at the age of 51. Honey, I'm pregnant. I'm like, see you later. <laughs> Take all the money out of the fort. We figure it out. I don't, I, I'm just going to go over here and step. Uh, well, no. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would love that child. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep having grandbabies. <clears throat> <laughs> he finds himself... Stepping out into knee-deep water here in this territory because God says, you know that son I gave you? I need to ask you something. I need to ask you to do something for me. God fulfills his promise in his own time and his own purpose and proves once again that, that God can be trusted. Abraham's walking in faith. He finds himself in Genesis 18 pleading with God on behalf of a city that's evil but but there's a problem here. It's where his nephew lives. Lot's there. And even though God destroys the city, he sends an angel to pick up Lot and, and his wife and his two daughters and brings them to safety until the wife turns around like God instructed her not to. Said, don't turn around and look back. And the next thing you know, she's, she's a pillar of salt. There, there's, you might get out of some things alive. But there's always consequences of heading towards the world. There's people that are not sitting in our pews today that, that used to be here and they, they may be here again. I pray to God that they are in our pews and they serve God and they make heaven their home. I don't want anybody to be lost. But sometimes there's some issues that we deal with that don't go away just because we come back to God. Come on. Yes. Sometimes we bring some things with us or sometimes... They no longer exist at all. Abraham hears the awful noise of destruction. He sees the smoke rising off in the horizon. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are being destroyed. And he wonders about Lot when off in the distance he looks and he sees what remains of his family walking towards him. And I have to wonder at that point if God says, God, I, I know that that you want me to trust you. I know that, that you're taking me out into some deeper waters here. Every one, once in a while, you, you, you're trying to teach me something. You're teaching me to trust you a little more. You're teaching me to, to swim in your grace a little more, to, to understand you a little bit more. But God, these waters are getting awful deep. These waters are getting awful deep. God said, get ready, Abraham, because the big one's coming. We're going to see how you can do with no life jacket real soon. You've been going with some security. You, you've been going with 
out to a certain place. But the Bible ends the story right there where the man measures out 4,000 cubits. And after, after that, it's over. If you're going to go any further, it's going to be because you now know how to get there yourself. There comes a time in life when waiting is just not going to get you where you need to go. So how are you going to make it when the waters are waters to swim in? Waters that are over your head. Is there enough confidence in God by that point to get you across a raging river when you can't seem to touch anything solid? You feel yourself sinking under? God looks at Abraham and says, Grab your only son Isaac. I know you love him. I know he's a promise. I know he's the son that I gave you. But I want you to offer him up as a, an offering before me. Now we're talking about waters that you got to swim in. But Abraham has been in ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. And along the course of all those things, he's watched as God has never failed him. And he's now at a place where God's asking him to do something. and You don't find him one single time arguing with God. You don't find him pleading with God. You don't find him falling on his knees and begging God. Abraham simply obeys what's been asked of him. Now, Isaac's got a little, a few questions. Isaac begins to wonder. He says, Father, where's the sacrifice? We've been through this before. Dad, we've sacrificed things before and, and brought it before the Lord. I know that you love God. See, Isaac has learned how much his father trusts the Lord. But he's got some questions. He's like, I know we're going through the same routine that I've seen us go through before, but there's just one thing that's missing. Where's the sacrifice? Isaac, or Abraham's mind quickly goes back over the course of his life. And he's reminded that at every point that God has saw him through, every point God has never failed him. Every time has gotten deeper and deeper, God has taught him something that he didn't know how to do before. And he looks at his son, and he had the wisdom to not look at Isaac and say, um, you're it, boy. He simply said, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. The word of the Lord says, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. By this point, Isaac's fully aware of what's going to happen. Isaac completely understands. But he's also trusting in a father who's trusted in his heavenly father. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me.
Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And it's at this point that Abraham names this spot. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. I wonder what this what this year will hold for for you and for me. I wonder what will come your way and what you might deal with and what you might face, both the good and and the not so good. My message is simple today. If you're serving God and you're walking in His will according to His Word, then your steps have been ordered by your Father. And if it's your Father that is ordering your steps, then everything that you will go through or everything that you will face is another testing ground, a learning, place of learning that's trying to teach you how to get to the other side. Would you stand with me today? See, we make the mistake sometimes of thinking, God's forgotten me. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't know where I'm at simply because we're in a tough spot. Maybe we're taking on some water. Maybe we feel like we're being swept out beyond our control. And the fear is real and it begins to grip our heart. When that time comes, don't you give up. Don't you just succumb to the powers that overwhelm you. Cry out for help. Cry out for help. And when you do, it may not come immediately may take God just a little bit to get to you, but there will come a time when that hand will reach out and grab a hold of you, and you'll feel yourself being pulled against the current, against the tide, back to a place where you can once again feel the security of having something solid underneath your feet. God in His wisdom and love prepares us. He prepares us for the places where we can't touch anymore. You just remember that when you're in that place that you're not alone. I want you to notice one last thing in closing before we begin to sing and I just really I think today want to give you the opportunity to just reestablish yourself just say God the lessons I'm learning here the uncomfortableness I'm feeling here Lord if this is you I readily accept it from you teach me make me teach you notice this one last thing the waters were deeper that every step brought Ezekiel closer to the other shore. 
even though it was further out, even though the pressure seemed more volatile, even though the dangers seemed more real, the currents were more powerful. He was now well out into the river, probably close to being halfway across. And if he could just swim a little bit, it wouldn't be long before his feet touched and he could come out on the other side. Aren't we all interested in making heaven our home? Isn't that why we're here? And sometimes we get the feeling that we'll never be able to make it. We're just going to be swept away. We're just waiting for that one small wave to just come in and go over our face and it's all going to be over. But God didn't bring you this far for you to drown. He wants you in heaven more than you want to be there. As a matter of fact, He gave His life so that you could make heaven your home. Don't tell me He doesn't want, don't tell me He's not on our side. Don't tell me He doesn't care. Every step further along the way, it's a little bit deeper, but God's teaching us how to swim. And when we know how to swim, there won't be any river that we can't cross. No water, no matter how deep the water gets, because you'll be able to tread that water and you'll be able to make it to the other side. I wonder today if you just bow your heads. Congregation this size today, there's some that are not here with us due to different things. Some that could be here that are just simply chose not to be here today. My heart breaks for them because I feel that they're who we're trying to reach today. But if you're here and you feel this way, you know somebody that feels this way, I want you to come up and just find a place to pray. Turn around, kneel where you're, where, where you're at if, if there's not enough room up here. Sit down, whatever, whatever you need to do to get comfortable. But I want you to get someone in your mind that you'd like to reach this year. Somebody that's being swept away by the current. Somebody that doesn't believe that they'll ever be able to swim and make it to the other side. I want you to get somebody in your mind right now. And I want you to pray for them. Would you sing the song? Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.